The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 71. At the end of the episode, we will have chapter 20 of Ain't No Messiah. Uh, That thing is coming along. We only have four more chapters after today. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, It's a little bit of a long chapter, so that's the only thing I will be sharing today other than the utter nonsense I fucking babble. Uh, But hopefully there'll be something cool that you enjoy. Uh, It's been a good week for me. been very productive. Um... Now that I have a part-time assistant, that is making things much better. So I am not getting depressed uh, when I'm not getting work done during the day because I know at least something is happening in the background. Uh, sending off books for reviews, sending off requests to be on podcasts, and like doing all that kind of stuff that I simply don't have the time for. So that's been helpful. Um, I just put out, uh, I just hired someone to do some nice book trailers for me. I'm going to be sharing a lot of stuff really soon. Uh, The latest plan, what I'm working on right now, is I am putting together 30 different days worth of posts about uh, heavy metal inspired fiction. So each day I'm going to talk about a particular band or song and how it inspired uh, one of my short stories or one of my books. if you read my books, you probably noticed lots of the epigraphs at the start are from heavy metal bands. Um, I try to sprinkle heavy metal into some of the stories. Uh, it's what I'm listening to when I write it, and for the most part. And um, yeah, so I thought it'd just be a cool way to kind of uh, thank those bands and let readers know how I got the ideas for the stories. Um, Lots of my ideas, lots of my stories have been sparked from just listening to songs, um, sometimes even just reading story titles. Uh, Many of my stories are actually named after um, heavy metal songs as well, so those will all be included. I already made my list. I'm starting to write those blogs, so uh, on each of those days, I think we're going to start probably August 1st. I just want to make sure I have everything nice and professional before we release it. I kind of want to make it a big deal. And see if I could tap into the heavy metal community, which is my community. Um, what else is happening? I uh, just put Beyond Brightside out for uh, pre-order. I still need to fix up the description and all that stuff. That will happen this week. But uh, the main reason I did it was so I could fix up fix up the back matter in all my other books. Um, so I could include the, the pre-order uh, link on there. Uh, I think that book is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think if you enjoyed Brightside and try not to die in Brightside, then I think you'll enjoy uh, this one, Beyond Brightside. I think it should be a pretty, hopefully it'll be a pretty powerful book. I had fun writing it, and that's all I really care about. Hopefully you guys will dig it. That doesn't come out until November 24th, so that gives me some time to finish stuff up, try to get reviews lined up and all that good stuff. For those of you that want to read it uh, early and leave a review, that would be awesome. Just hit me up, send me a message, and I will be sure you get that. Um, what else has been going on? Oh, so I mentioned last week that I had been doing, uh, been motivated. I have a bet going on that 
I need to get down to 205 pounds by August 19th, which is my 48th birthday. Uh, so I still have approximately, what is it, like 28 days, 29 days. Um, it's been going great so far. I don't know whether or not I will reach my goal, but I have to give myself credit um, for everything that I'm doing. Uh, cutting out the sugars, that alone I know has been super helpful. Uh, it's something I'm going to continue to do. Um, yesterday I just finished a 40-hour fast. Most of the last week was 20 hours. I did one day that was 23 and a half hours. So honestly, all I did that day, and that's with absolutely zero calories. Um, I'm only drinking water, apple cider vinegar, cayenne pepper, and a little bit of stevia mixed together. Um, so, and I'm fixing food uh, for the kids, um, cooking dinners, all that stuff. I'm, and I'm not eating at all, which is, uh, for me, that's a good amount of willpower. Um... And uh, yes, but yesterday I decided I would do a 40-hour fast, and uh, it was easy. Uh, I mean, parts of it were a little difficult, where I would think about food a bit, but I really had plenty of energy. Both of the days that I was doing the fast, I did an hour's worth of yoga, I did 20 minutes in the pool, uh, even did about 30 minutes in the sauna. Um, so yeah, no negative effects from it. Um, that's the longest fast I've done. Um, I kind of wanted to do 48 hours, but I don't want to get to the point where I'm making myself miserable. I don't want to burn myself out. And so I thought 40 was good. Uh, maybe in a week or two, I will try, uh, two and a half days or something like that. We'll see. Maybe I'll shoot for 60 hours. Um, but yeah, if the weight comes off, it comes off. If not, I'll just slowly take it off. Hopefully I'll win the bet because I really don't want to give up cannabis for a month. But if I did, that would probably be the best thing for me anyhow. So whatever happens, happens. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it on here last week or not, but uh, I've started up a savings jar by cutting out all this caffeine uh, that I was drinking. I was having two yerba mates, cans of it, and uh which has organic sugar and sometimes like a bang drink or a monster or something like that that would cost me about 10 bucks a day so now that i am not doing that and i'm just using brewed tea which costs almost nothing um i'm putting all the money that i save into a jar at the end of the year we're probably going to use it for we have to decide um i'm going to decide with my family but i'm probably going to either do toys for um kids in need or we'll get, donate to a women's shelter or something like that. Not sure exactly what, uh, but so far we have 150 bucks and uh, haven't been saving that long. So should be able to do something cool with that. I'm kind of excited about that. It definitely makes it easier to uh, not want to go buy the things, you know, because um, sometimes I still have those impulses. I still have that habit. Um, but I have the jar right here on my desk and I see it and I'm like, no, I'll just throw the money in there. So something much better will happen and I'm not having those calories that I don't need. Uh, let's see. And even on the fast, I was feeling even more creative. Uh, had a lot of cool ideas just come up. Uh, in fact, I just got some brand new, uh, flash fiction story ideas, kind of in the vein of my no one stories uh no one's home no one's here i'm writing one right now called no one cares um but this one is everyone i have everyone's the enemy which is all about today when you go outside and everyone you're looking at might have a disease or they might be an asshole or they might yell at you or they might fucking 
I'm pretty just fed up with the entire world. Um, so yeah, so that's a fun story I'll be working on. Uh, and I finally, I'm not finished with trying not to die in the pandemic, but I've, I'm okay with the ending now. Not the very, very ending, um, but the climax, the, the big scene, and it's brutal. Um, when I realized what one of the characters has to do, I was like, holy shit, I was like, is this really for young adults? Um, but I think it works, so... I'm sure they're watching worse, uh, but yeah, this is a pretty brutal book. Um, it finishes, you know, in the original that John gave me, it had a happy ending, and I realized, like, fuck, there's no happy ending. This guy just went through, this boy and girl just went through so much trauma, um, plus they're in the middle of the pandemic, they're stuck at sea, and now, on top of everything else, like, there's no security on the boat because all the security's dead and all these other different factors. It's like there is not a possible happy ending. I mean, the happy ending is that they all survive, but shit, barely, you know. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I'm happy with that. Uh, as soon as I finish this up, I'm going to give it back to John. He'll ch take a look at it. Then we will give it to the editor, and then we'll both go over it again. Um, meanwhile, I will begin working on all the death scenes. They should be pretty quick, and uh, yeah. So I've got my work cut out for me. Um, not having a meal or two a day, cutting those meals out gives me more time to uh, just work on that kind of stuff instead of cooking. So that's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Let's go into, uh, before we get into the short story, well, before we get into the Messiah chapter 20, we'll do one last segment on, uh, the great, the good, the okay, and the holy shit, this book is terrible. Um, these are the last of the reviews from Amazon, and again, maybe you can relate, maybe you think these people are wrong, maybe it'll give you some ideas to write your own as soon as this is over. All right, let's start with this one. Let's start with a really bad one. This is the last of the two-star reviews. This is from Michelle. Um, I had a hard time getting into the book. It has so many unneeded branch-offs and plot turns that I had a difficult time staying attentive to it. Granted, the religion basis isn't my genre, and that might have had something to do with it. I just felt there were unnecessary parts that added nothing to the plot line. Okay, that's legitimate. Thank you, Michelle, for your review. Um... All right, here's a, this is from a Kindle customer. This is a good rating, or okay, I should say. This is a 3.0. All right, first of all, I'd like to thank the author and Goodreads for providing me the free download, blah, blah, blah. Uh, did I like it? I'm somewhat in the middle with that. It kept my interest most of the time. It's part of a series with a cliffhanger at the end. I usually read standalone. Also, it reads as a dystopian novel with dire consequences for the world. Um, that was or is scary. So if you're into this, go ahead and read it. Um, cool. I like that. Okay, here we go. All right. So now on to... What do we got now? What do we got now? Okay. So now on to the good books. These are 4.0s. Uh, people really liked it. Uh, first one is from Amazon customer. The writing was good. The plot convoluted. I had a huge amount of sympathy for Joshua. Everything was fucked up in his life. I adored the ending, which was perfect for the book, but most people wouldn't like it. Very weird book, but worth reading if you like the bizarre. Cool. Uh, this one is from J.F. Bard, another four star. Uh, the book was very interesting. A lot of different views on what religion is and what some uses to use people and their belief. 
Uh, and then the last one was from Deborah Coleman. Never knew where each page was taking you. Definitely a page turner. All right, that's cool. I'm glad they enjoyed it. All right, and we'll finish up with the rest of the five-star reviews. They're quick. Uh, we have Debbie King. Wow, wasn't expecting that ending. Great read. Can't wait for the next book. Kept me up all night just thinking, what if? Um, another one from RV Butterfly. Awesome book. Thank you. All right, those are short, but again, super helpful. Um, here we go. Rad. Uh, this is friend Rebecca. Well, I wasn't friends with her until she started reading and reviewing, but uh, she's awesome. She always leaves a review. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rebecca. This one is, I couldn't put it down. Uh, this book got my attention from the first page. I love the story and how it makes you think. Very well written and a great ending I didn't expect. Can't wait for the next one. Uh, then we have one from Patty Yu. She put, wow, this book is kick-ass. I'm waiting impatiently for the next one. This poor guy goes through so much without any support from his family. I laughed and cried throughout this book. The story feels so real and I felt bad for the bad things happening to Joshua. This author knows how to pull you into a book and you feel like you're right there with Joshua. That's cool. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Patty. Last one, Karina, uh, Abuse, Violence, and Sex. Mm, sign me up. Okay, she put, This story was super intense with the main character being abused, manipulated, and betrayed at every turn of his life by a horrible father and an indifferent mother that was also in many ways broken by her husband. The story also shows how people as a whole can bring out the worst in themselves when they have blindly followed any type of religion or cause, and we've seen this throughout our history. I really like this book because it brings out many issues that today in society avoid speaking of or try to make it taboo and thinking we'd be offending others. Wow, so thank you, Karina. That's an awesome review. I'm so glad that's what you got from the book. Hopefully you guys are getting some cool stuff from it. And even if you're not really getting a lesson, if you're enjoying the story, then that's awesome. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. I've got a bunch of stuff to do. I'm sure you do as well. Uh, sit back and enjoy Chapter 20 of Ain't No Messiah, narrated by Rick Cheddar. Talk to you next week. Peace. Chapter 20 It was five days after I thought I'd be doing it, but it was finally happening. I was going to take my baby girl home from the hospital. I parked Danielle's shiny red forerunner that we could barely afford at the green-painted curb across from the hospital's entrance. Afraid I might get a ticket, I walked over to the valet station and asked the guys if that's where I should leave it. I don't know if it was my grin or the tiny white bear with a halo and angel wings I was carrying, but the skinny one said, New dad? Yep, that's it. The NICU was on the fourth floor. Paul sat guard in the waiting room. He'd been in town since the delivery. Said he wasn't leaving until he got to hold his niece. I hadn't believed him, didn't think he would care, but he'd been sitting on the bench every day, giving me my space, absorbed with his phone. This was no different, and he didn't see me coming. Jumped when I said hello. It was a good day, a time to set aside differences. Plus, Paul really never did anything bad, not to me. He was just making the best of his situation. Paul looked up from his phone with a smile. Big day. I said, yep, and wanted to leave it at that, but wasn't about to risk bad karma. I doubted that kind of stuff made a difference, but ever since Lily had been born not breathing, I'd just been waiting for the other shoe to drop. I said, been waiting my whole life for it, then gave my name at the intercom. Turning to Paul, who was already back on his phone, I said, it should only be about ten minutes. The door buzzed open, and I entered. 
washed elbows to fingertips for the full thirty seconds. I dried off my hands and took the stuffed bear toward the third bay on the right. Danielle sat in her rocking chair, hand hiding her face, her back hitching. I ran over and checked the empty incubator. Where's Lily? Is she okay? She said shush and leaned back to reveal Lily swaddled in her arm. My perfect little angel sound asleep. Her skin finally the color it was meant to be, darker than Danielle, her hair just as brown. Danielle had been so strong, loving, and happy, but it looked as if everything had caught up with her. I asked what was wrong. She looked up, her eyes red, teeth biting down on her lip. She nodded at the next bay with the five-month-old preemie. I stood a couple of inches higher than the divider. There was a Mexican family huddled together. A white bundle was handed to the old man with glasses. He brought the tiny bundle to his lips and placed the lightest kiss. He said something I couldn't hear and handed it back to the mother. I took a seat next to Danielle before my legs gave way. There was nothing I could do to make it better. Anything I said would sound like better them than us. I put my hand on Danielle's lower back and rubbed in little circles. My other hand cradled Lily's tiny head. I knew nothing about being a dad but swore I will never let anything bad happen to you. A bright-eyed blonde in a light blue smock walked up and said, Mr. and Mrs. Campbell? It was strange to hear our names like that, even though we'd made it official the day Danielle's divorce was finalized. I figured the blonde was bringing yet another bill to pay before they released us. Can I help you? She put on a nice smile and stuck out her hand. I'm Denise with Perfect Portraits. I said, we can't do this. Her smile didn't waver. It's free. We do it for everyone. I pointed at the divider. They just lost their kid. Denise apologized and left. Danielle thanked me. I patted the telephone in my pocket. This thing is nearly full of photos, and I'm sure Jeremy will take plenty. She said she was sure, but didn't sound it. Jeremy was splitting rent until he could save up enough for his own place, but resentment ran both ways, and I'd yet to see them in the same room for more than a minute. It'd taken me a bit to get over the lies, especially about their mother being alive, but I couldn't be a hypocrite and think of Jeremy any differently than Paul. Both were trying to survive the best they could, just like Danielle had. So is that it? We can go now? Yeah, I just have to tell them. I made sure she was looking at me. Are you ready? Her eyes were steel blue, hardened, but they'd never break. They gave away nothing. Are you? Not even close, but I couldn't say that. I had no idea how to be a father. As much as I'll ever be. I got a smile from her, like we were taking an oath. She said, we do our best not to screw her up. We don't do what ours did. I swear. She kissed my cheek. So do I. Let's take her home. We called the nurse over and she helped us strap Lily into her brown and pink car seat, told Danielle she'd have to be wheeled out. I offered to take Lily, but Danielle placed the car seat on her lap. Paul walked beside me while the nurse guided the wheelchair through the narrow hallways. In a baby voice, father would slap him for using. Paul gushed over Lily even though he could barely see her. Outside the front door, I helped Danielle out of the wheelchair, staying close to her side in case she stumbled. Paul said, Shoot, I left my briefcase upstairs. You guys go home and I can get some rest. I really didn't want to take Danielle out of the car seat, but, but said, Don't you want to hold her? Oh, I will, he said from the doorway. But I don't want anyone to take it. 
The last chapter of the updated Gospels is in there. Jeremy stood to our left by the valet, the light shining on the camera he'd jacked from the church of his son. And here they are, for the first time, the Campbell family. I turned to Danielle to the side and told her to smile. Jeremy had shaved and even combed his hair. When he smiled, there was no doubt in it. I'd seen enough fake ones to know the difference. This one was big and pure, like first time we met. Beautiful, man, he said. You guys are fucking beautiful. Did you get it? Danielle asked. I can't see the princess. Danielle handed me the car seat and began undoing her straps. I said maybe we should just leave her in, but Danielle ignored me. Jeremy took a few more photos and came over, laid his finger on Lily's cheek. Oh my God, she's something else. You guys did great. You really did. I told him thanks. Danielle had tears in her eyes. Okay, he said. Enough of that. Say something for the camera. I didn't have anything smart to say, and I wanted to get Lily out of the sun. How about we finish this at home? Danielle said that was a good idea and headed for the curb. I held out the car seat. Want to put her in? Danielle wasn't waiting, so I hurried to her side, helped her down the curb. We were halfway across when Jeremy said, Oh, fuck! I didn't know what was about to happen. I just knew it was going to be bad, so I took hold of Lily and pushed Danielle toward the SUV. Jeremy shouted, Behind you! I spun around, faced the massive black muscle car barreling down on us. The driver's unyielding eyes locked on mine, both hands on the wheel. There was no time to move, so I held Lily against my chest and dropped onto my side, curled into the tightest little ball. I put my left elbow on my knee, my hand on my head, my forearm, her shield. I felt her heartbeat and said, Daddy loves you. There was no squeal of brakes, no screech and turn. The front tire smacked my foot full speed, five, six, seven bones crunching, each snap distinct. I felt enormous pressure, not pain. All that car crushing my kneecap, my femur, my hip. I stayed in the ball as the tire tore the flesh off my forearm, the weight threatening to burst my body. I pushed with everything I had, everything I was. Danielle screamed, Oh my God, my baby! Next thing I know, I was lying flat on a wooden altar, Father's hand resting on my chest, the church ceiling above. Father leaned in, both beard and stubbly hair and ashy gray. Shush, he said. Don't try to talk. Why? Father kept his hand on my chest and brought forth a foot-long diamond-encrusted dagger. You know why. I tried to look him in the eyes, but my head wouldn't move. What are you doing? He pushed down hard enough to keep me still. What I have to. The light shone off the sharp blade. What's that for? Father pushed the air out of me and raised the knife high. You have nothing to fear. The words came out whispers, nothing behind them. You don't have to. Stop. The knife plunged down, hot fire through my chest, brilliant red spiking my eyelids. I couldn't look down to see what he'd done. I gasped. Why? Father pressed hard on my chest and pulled out the knife, blood running down his hand. It's written. You said I'm your son. You are, and the father's. You are the Messiah. No, I am not. I am not the fucking Messiah. Father slashed to the side, the blade digging deep in my hip, bouncing off the bone. A voice on the other side of me said, Shouldn't say that. Jeremy? There were three steps, then a camera lens filled my face. 
the reflection a bruised mess I couldn't look at. Accept it, Jeremy said. It'll be better for all of us. We'll be rich. I could barely think through my pain, my words coming out in spurts. What do you mean? The camera stepped out of view, father's hand and the knife, all I could see. Father said, This is how you save the world. I screamed no and grabbed hold of his hand, bent it back so hard the knife went flying. I pulled myself up through the pain, kept pressing father's hand back as far as it would go. Jeremy said, Oh, fuck, and kept filming. I slid off the altar and ran out the door. The soft glow from the moon was my only light as I took off from my corner. Candles burned behind the barn's red curtains, father's shotgun poking out the middle window, taking aim. The slug blew through my forearm, stopping meant death, so I leapt over the stone wall, ran until I hit the swamp, and dove with no fear. The water was acid, my skin on fire. I scrambled back to shore, drenched in pain. I heard heavy breathing, but no one was chasing me. A butterfly kite danced in front of the moon. I kept my eyes on the sky, sidestepping trees, the kite never coming closer. I started to jog and made it two steps before the snapping crunch of Father's bear trap. My leg was a mess, but I would not stop. I pulled my foot out, skin and tendons bunching up behind the steel jaws, fleshy rivers running through my toes. I focused on the white bandage holding the butterfly's belly. I followed the string to the middle of the grassy field, the delicate ankle it was wrapped around. The woman was on her back, her face blocked by the man on top. Frank looked at me and smiled, a bullet hole in the middle of his head. All you had to do was ask, he said. I'd have told you she wasn't picky. Jeremy walked up beside me, camera rolling. Tell me that don't turn you on. I fell to the floor, buried my face in the leaves. There was nothing, nothing but heavy breathing. I rolled onto my back and opened my eyes. Light from the cracked door fell on a stack of flashing equipment. The in and out of heavy breathing filled my ears. My first thought was Father captured me. But this ceiling wasn't the church's. It was the same fluorescent tubes and white panels of the NICU. A shadow shuffled to the left. I tried to say who's there, but it was impossible to talk with my mouth stuffed open. Something filled in my throat. A woman in brown scrubs leaned over. No talking. I'll tell them. I wanted to grab her, shake her until she said where Danielle and Lily were, but I couldn't move. She held her finger up to her lips. No, no, she whispered. I go. She closed the door behind her and everything dark once again. The bear was back, cloaked in darkness. It kept breathing in and out. In and out, I said. Is someone there? A voice I'd done my best to forget said, You retarded, open your eyes. I was standing in the middle of a large office, Danielle next to me in her white nursing bra and matching granny panties. Ronnie sitting smug behind a large oak desk. He was staring at Danielle's engorged boobs, but talking to me. What's up, you big fag? I want my daughter. Where is she? Your daughter's fine. Give her to me. You still haven't figured out? You can't tell me what to do. I'm not scared of you. Look at yourself. I tried to, but my head wouldn't move. The farthest I could look down was at the dingy white angel bear lying on his desk. Plastic tubes taped to the tiny nose. Take her, Ronnie said. She's fine. I picked up the bear. This isn't my daughter. Danielle was crying when she said, She'll be fine. 
I shouted, give me my baby. That ain't me, Ronnie pointed behind us. Go talk to that guy. I had to turn my whole body to see the guy sitting in the chair. I'd almost forgotten his name, but that face never, especially the way his right side bulged too much. His suspenders were leaking water, the puddle under his chair growing inch by inch. Danielle said, who are you? Dusty said, ask your husband. Josh? He's no one. Dusty raised his knee and looked right at me. I was. He slammed his foot down, spraying the room, and the floor fell out below us. My heart in my throat as my weight took me down. I shot my hand up and caught hold of the ledge, my left hand still holding Angel Bear. There was a bloody hole through the middle of my arm. It grew bigger, widened, as the heat from the fire below licked at my feet, the flap of demon wings nearly as loud as the breathing. I screamed for help as Angel pulled us toward the flames, my fingers sweating on the slick tile. Danielle was on her hands and knees, her head sticking over the edge. Everything's going to be okay. I couldn't last much longer, that whole stretch in my body being pulled apart. She kind of grunted when I said, You're going to have to grab her. We got one shot at this. Danielle pushed back and groaned. I can't do it without you. She said as her head was jerked to the side by her ponytail, Beth's boss smiling over her shoulder. I got ready for the throw, not sure if I could do it, but knowing I had to. I was just about to launch Angel when the meathead from the roller coaster appeared where Danielle had been, his face all scrunched up in a grimace. Bull's hands were on either side of mine, the tattoos ending on his middle knuckle. He asked, How's it hanging? You have to save my daughter. His smirk stretched across his face. Your daughter? You're joking! With everything I had, I flung Angel, her tiny white body, sawing toward the edge. Bull snatched my arm and pulled me out, set me beside him. Shocked he saved me, I ignored he was naked. I kept saying thank you, again and again. When he bent down to pick Angel off the floor, I had a clear shot of Danielle huddled in the corner, Beth's boss controlling her by her pigtails, Yuri towering over her, his head touching the ceiling, but his fist just inches from her face. Bull blocked my view, said, Sure thing, not a problem. He handed me Angel and said, What's that old saying, an eye for an eye? I said he was thinking of something else. He turned around and helped Danielle to her feet, led her to the edge. With the smuggest smile, he said, Dead wrong. I saw where this was headed and dropped down a split second before Bull stepped off. Angel in one hand, Danielle pinned to his side with his other. My chest slammed against the floor, my throat bouncing off the edge as I reached out for Angel, grabbed hold of her hand. Bull kept hold of her, too. The rip so loud, it shook my whole body. A hand pushed down my chest. Don't do that, Joshua. You gotta calm down. I opened my eyes, but they weren't ready for daylight. I blinked away the brightness and saw Danielle standing by my side. The drugs still had hold of me, and I couldn't find any words. Joshua? Danielle waved her fingers. You there? My forehead was strapped down, so I couldn't nod, and something in my throat couldn't let me speak. When I tried my arm, I felt needles, pinpricks. I blinked three times, the noise from my chest scaring me. Danielle put her hand against my cheek. You gotta stop moving, baby. It sounded like she was gonna lose it, her steel eyes ready to crack. I know you don't like it, but you have to stop. I tried to quiet my body, hoped like hell she could read my eyes, tell me everything I wanted to know. 
she answered with tears. I closed my eyes until the crying went away. When I opened them, Paul stood where Danielle had been, black suit, white shirt. He told me I was looking good. Come on, man, it's time we got the hell out of here. I can go. Yeah, oh, I already signed all the paperwork. Just throw on your clothes. I looked to where he was pointing, so excited I could turn my head. I didn't think much of my red cloak hanging in the closet. I jumped off the bed and got on my black slacks and white button-down while Paul told me his plans to build his own bakery franchise with the first one downtown. When I put on my right shoe, it constricted like a vice. I tried to pry it off, but it only grew tighter. Paul said, there, there, but he sounded like a woman. If you're in pain, just push the button. I didn't see what button he was talking about, but I didn't care. I shrugged on my cloak and went out the doorway, followed the exit sign, my right foot throbbing a mess. Paul walked beside me. So you know what you got to do, right? We were coming up to a pair of closed automatic doors, a small window. I asked, does anyone? A woman in a black security guard uniform came out of a side room and stood before the door. When Paul walked up and gave her a hug, I saw it was Mother, who looked great for being a year in the grave. He told her, I brought him. Mother opened the door and said, Go on. I tried to follow Paul forward, but she stepped in front of me. I was talking to him. The door closed and Paul was on the other side, looking at the two of us through the window. I want to go with Paul. Be quiet before someone hears you. I kept my eyes on Paul. I wouldn't look at her. She wasn't my real mom. Let me go. I need to get over there. I'll tell you what you need. I glanced behind and saw a pack of surgeons, masks, pulled up, knives in hand. Open the gate. They're going to kill me. You have nothing to worry about. That's what your dad always said. I pushed past her and pounded on the glass, screamed at the back of Paul's head for him to do something. Paul turned around a cotton candy pink stick of dynamite stuffed in his mouth. I watched the fuse sizzle into an explosion, the window painted red. A hand touched my face. Danielle said, It's okay. You there? I went to nod and found I could just a little. You have someone here to see you. I opened my eyes and looked down the top of a tiny head resting on my chest, a full head of hair darker than Danielle's. Danielle kept her hand on my cheek. She had her other on the baby's back to keep her in place. She was smiling through her tears and told me to call her name. I tried to swallow, took in each thump of her racing heartbeat. My throat was raw, my voice scratchy, but I said, Lily, Lily, my baby, is that you? Tiny hands crumpled the paper gown, the head slowly rising, the most precious little face. Her dark brown eyes met mine, made me promise I would always protect her. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.